From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor. This is FT News. Today, we're looking at the impact on the City of London from the Brexit vote, which happened last week. I'm joined by Martin Arnold, the FT's banking editor, and also Simon Gleeson, the partner at Clifford Chance, to look at the likelihood that city-based institutions will in future be able to passport into the rest of the EU. First, give us the overview, Martin. There's been a pretty dramatic market response to last Thursday's vote that the UK should exit the EU. And obviously, part of that story has been some of the real dramatic falls in the share prices of some of the city banks. Yeah, not just the city banks. European banks as a whole were down double digit percentages on Friday and again on Monday. And they're back up a bit on Tuesday. But still, we're talking about very low levels of share prices and being hit by concerns about the economic impact of the referendum. The UK sovereign credit rating has been downgraded. So that indicates the level of concern about the economy. British banks have been hit, but the Italian banks' share prices have been hit almost as hard. And there's now talk about a potential government bailout fund, some kind of rescue fund being set up to stabilise the Italian banking sector because of wobbles in the European periphery as the Brexit vote reverberates. But um, there's also concern about what will happen to the city. Will there be job losses? Well, some of the big UK-based operations of foreign banks, the, the Wall Street banks, for instance, have to move into other EU countries as a result of loss of access to the single market. Well, that's a perfect segue to bring in Simon Gleeson from Clifford Chance. Simon, thanks for joining us. You, I'm sure, are very busy with clients at the moment, so thank you very much for sparing the time to talk to us. But they, I'm sure, are frantically wondering how they need to restructure their operations in London if they're going to retain access to the EU single market because historically so many foreign banks have used London as a pivot into that single market. And if that's not going to be possible any longer through the disappearance of these so-called passporting rights, then they need to reconsider, am I right? Well, that's exactly right, Patrick. The way that foreign banks have looked at this is there's a deep pool of skills in London. If you put your operation there, you also get to passport into Europe. So London simply became the default location for all of these activities. We will not get passports. It's perfectly clear from the way that Europe has dealt with VEA and Switzerland that you don't get a European passport unless you sign up for free movement, the full Aki communitaire, contributions to the budget and all of the things that the UK has just raised against. So the real question for UK firms, I think, is whether the UK government will manage to negotiate some sort of quasi-passport based on the third country provisions in the existing directives. If it does so, what will that look like? Don't know. If it does so, when might they achieve that agreement? Answer, don't know. The uncertainties pile up. So at the moment, city banks in particular are having to make their decisions based on guesswork about where these discussions might end up at some point several years down the line, which isn't exactly contributing to comfort or stability. The optimists are clinging to the idea that under MIFID and this specific regulation called MIFIR, then there will be a way in which non-EU countries, i.e. the UK, can tap into this single market by 
claiming to have equivalent levels of regulation to the mainstream EU. Given that we have the same rules and regulations at the moment, it would seem like it should be an automatic effect that we are deemed equivalent, but I suspect it's not as easy as that. Well, you know, the problem really is this. On the day that the UK leaves the EU, it won't be equivalent. It'll be identical. So if the question was simply, are you equivalent today, then the answer would be a clear yes. However, if you're a bank, that's pretty useless to you unless you can also be confident that the UK will continue to be equivalent tomorrow. A form of equivalence that could disappear at a moment's notice is just not a safe basis for an institution to do its long-term planning on. So in order for equivalence to work properly, in addition to the rules being equivalent, you would also need some sort of formal commitment by the UK to maintain equivalence, so to implement new European financial legislation as it was passed in Europe. And again, I think you bang up against the problem that that, I think, is the very thing that the British people have just voted not to do. And in the absence of that commitment, then it's hard to see how we could get a particularly useful form of equivalence. Given your scepticism on all of that, how are you advising your clients to proceed? Well, I mean, the problem the clients have is that they will effectively have to make their plans well in advance of knowing what the problem is that they're trying to solve. So there is a lot of worst-case analysis going on out there at the moment, all of which takes you to the conclusion that it looks as if at least some part of what is currently done in London is in future going to have to be done somewhere within the remainder of the EU. So most of the discussion is how big is that part, how significant is it, what are the drivers, where do we go, all those sorts of issues. But these are all very hard questions, and I don't think there's anybody who claimed today that they had a coherent set of answers to them. Yeah, I mean, there's two sides to this. I mean, I've been speaking to lots of banking executives in the last few days, and they are putting on a brave face and they're saying, you know, the EU needs the city as much as we need them. The share of our revenues that we get from doing cross-border business with EU clients is very small. We'll find a way. There are entities that we can use. A lot of them are saying, you know, and they're downplaying it and putting a brave face on and hoping that somehow common sense will prevail and there will be a solution. But in terms of the city, it's already been losing jobs and activity as banks have been shifting to lower cost centres, this nearshoring trend of back office staff and activity being moved to lower cost places like Poland and Bulgaria, Scotland, Ireland, Portugal. The other issue is banks were already not in a great place. Returns on equity were well below their cost of capital. Their share prices were already pretty beaten up. And so they need to keep cutting costs. And Brexit is going to be an opportunity for them to say, right, now we have to take more tough decisions. And I can see the city suffering as a result of that, whatever the outcome of these kind of negotiations. Well, this conversation was an excerpt from a broader debate about the impact of Brexit on the city. And you can hear that full debate through the Banking Weekly podcast, uh, ft.com slash podcast.
This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.